Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Kirsten Beverly Waters. Kirsten is a yoga medicine teacher, fitness coach, author, and motivational speaker. Through her unique approach to teaching movement, which is founded on mental wellness, whole body health, and spiritual groundedness, Kirsten has built a name for herself in helping others find their sacred body and soul connection. But when it comes to defining her heights of her career, Kirsten credits the low moments in her life with enabling her to find her voice and harness her powers. Like many, Kirsten's past has been punctuated with seemingly insurmountable challenges, struggles unique to her own journey that ultimately provided her with a landscape for success. In her new book, Struggle Guru, Kirsten dives deep into an exploration of personal experience and how our individual stories and struggles help shape our biology, giving breath to our individual superpowers. So feel like you're struggling. Well, you're about to meet the struggle guru, that's Kirsten Beverly Waters, who's managed to take some of life's most challenging situations and use them to make herself stronger, wiser, and better. You're gonna love this conversation. Here's Kirsten. Okay, everybody, we have Kirsten Beverly Waters with us today. She is going to be talking about struggle guru. What the heck does that mean? Well, we're about to find out. Welcome, Kirsten. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to have you on the show. So what does that even mean? I never heard that term. So struggle guru is, is really my call to action to every person, every reader. Um, ultimately, all of us struggle with something. And I am calling on guru is technically a, a term used oftentimes in Hindu culture and yoga. And as a yoga teacher, it's something I've, I've come across with many masterful teachers. So this book is helping draw out the master within us to master our own struggles. So that's where struggle guru comes from. Mm. And what, you know, I imagine you don't write a book like that unless you had your own struggles. Tell us a little bit yeah. about anything that led up to a book like this. Well, you know, it really started when I was a child. I lost my dad when I was seven years old, and it was a it was a pretty traumatic experience. And going through that, and then losing so many close people in my family shortly thereafter, started to open my eyes to appreciating the value of life. And through that process, I started to become really keen to other people's struggles. And it was very odd being in like the second grade and having kids come up to you because you had such a life altering event that most children can't necessarily identify with a loss of a parent. And people would come up to me all the time and talk to me about struggles. So that's really where the first part um, came from is I felt like people always came to me with the struggle. So I felt a bit like the struggle guru. Um, but then when I finished college, I ended up um, finding out through genetic testing that I was positive for BRCA1, which is a breast cancer marker and actually found out that I had cancer. So that was my first real, I think, real personal struggle that I had. Um, and that coincided also with a time period when I was also struggling with my sexual identity. And so trying to deal with being gay, dealing with cancer, and just trying to graduate college and have a job um, really kind of put this trajectory into motion. And through all of these processes, honestly, being in experiencing cancer myself and interviewing other cancer patients because that's what I did. I was a, I was a journalism major in college initially. 
So I was always seeking answers, always seeking information. And I would sit with these patients and want to know more and want to feel less alone, less pain, less hurt. And I learned so much about struggle from all of these different people that this story to me is really a tribute to all of these women that I have met along my journey who are not here to use their voice and talk about why struggle is so important to turn it into your superpower and something that propels us forward rather than holds us back. Oh, and that is just what I talk about all the time. I love this topic and I love what you've done with it. So what did you make of it when, you know, here you are, you're so young, you lose your dad. You're still, you're so young and and you get breast cancer. You're young and you're struggling with your identity. How did you how did you manage through that? What did you do? Did you did you seek support? Did you try to deal with all of this alone? Like what'd you do? Um, you know, I've always had a very strong faith base. And so that that was conflicting on the sexual identity, but for the cancer side of things, I felt like a part of me could seek out counsel that way. But truthfully, I met a mentor in college who was very devout in her in her faith, but was also gay. And her mother died of breast cancer. So I felt like God had placed this woman into my life to be able to help me kind of sort through some of these emotions. Because here I am saying, okay, well, God loves me. But then people in church say that homosexuality is a sin. So God hates me. And maybe that's why that I have cancer is because God hates me. And, and so trying to go through all of these, these emotions, um, she was the first step to helping me find other groups of people um, both counseling and just individuals who are experiencing similar struggles because we we often feel in the in the midst of it like we're the only one experiencing it but there's when we share our story we find there's so many others who can relate to it it might not be the exact same struggle but struggle is a universal experience and so I started to reach out to even you know some of my peers what are some of the things they're struggling with by seeing their struggle it helped me put mine in perspective and start to process it and work through it and it's such a big thing when it comes to our religion you know here it is it's we're told this set of rules and we're just being who we are and how could it possibly be that somehow we're not right or we're not okay or we're not accepted or whatever that is, or we're wrong for being honest and real with ourselves. So what did that do for you as far as just how you, how you managed your religion? Um, well, first of all, I, I mean, I dove deeply into my religion. I actually decided after college, I wanted to go to divinity school. So I, applied. I, I took a bunch of coursework in undergrad, but I had been volunteering at the church and I was accepted to Yale, Vanderbilt and Duke's divinity schools. And so I always tell people it was the Holy Trinity because I prayed, like, if I'm supposed to do this and get into mission work and help people, let me get in. And I got all three, but then I felt like I can't go into something that I have to hide who I am. Um, but through that, I, I had the opportunity to study Greek and, and read the, the New Testament in its original form and found out a lot of things that have been a little shifted socially. So it might be controversial, but I, I found out like homosexual wasn't even a word in the Bible until the civil rights movement. So that was huge for me, like adding that in there started to help me kind of peel back the layers and, you know, everybody likes to kind of pick and choose what what fits them. And ultimately I came to a space where 
I believe that the God that I have grown to know, love and have faith in loves me and all of me. And if you can say that God doesn't make mistakes, then I'm not a mistake. And what I experience is not a mistake. And that wholeness was like a trajectory that took me a, a completely different direction. You know, you could even feel, you feel the, the confidence in that statement. You feel the belief in that statement. And, and it's so powerful. You know, so often we're taught not to question things, not to question authority, not to question someone who just, you know, they're just sharing what they think is their, is their truth or what they've been taught. And we, you know, and we, we hesitate to question it, but I invite everybody question everything, including yourself, right? You may have these beliefs, these thoughts, these ideas that truly don't serve you. And when you question yourself, the challenge is it can cause everything else to unravel. But it's in that unraveling, that's where we find our truth. But it's also in that unraveling, we heal. So tell me about now, because I want to make that connection physically with where you were mentally and emotionally. So when you were not in that whole and healed place, you know, you, you mentioned you had breast cancer, so that's certainly how it's, you know, things are manifesting physically, not by any means. Does that mean your thoughts actually created that. I'm not suggesting that. It's it's just one of those things that the issues are in the tissues and a contributing factor. But tell us how you were mentally and emotionally and physically at the same time, as opposed to when you felt a lot better. What happened to your body when your mind changed as well? Um, well, I think one of the things you said, the issues is in the tissues, um, brings up a, a very key point in how that shifted. Um, I'm a huge believer, right? Like, Basic physics tells us that energy is neither created nor destroyed. It's only transferred. And I, I struggled greatly with people always telling me, Kirsten, you need to fight. You need to fight. You need to fight. Well, if I'm fighting mentally, something has to give, and that's going to come physically. And that's where our immune system can become compromised. And, you know, I've struggled with depression most of my life. And going through cancer certainly didn't help the matter. And so this energy being used mentally, I do feel in some ways open my immune system to things that maybe it would not have if I was a little stronger mentally. And that's not to say that having depression or going through cancer is a weakness mentally, but that for me personally, I saw a shift when I could start to speak my truth and be honest with who I was because it alleviated so much of this mental pressure and mental strain that my physical body could start to take over and could start to heal itself. And those issues in the tissues really truly did start to shift. Yeah. Right. And, and you can feel that. And that's that struggle guru. You, you are a manifestation of your thoughts. The more, the more stories we tell ourselves, I can't, I won't, I never will be able to, we will manifest those in our actions and the way we breathe and the way we communicate, the, the people we choose to hang out with, the food we eat. You know, I've, I've coached people in fitness and wellness for more than 15 years and people are always like, what's the, what's the diet that's going to do it? What's the uh, fitness program? And I'm like, it's right between your ears. Like it starts up here. That's, that shift is so important and you possess the power, which is empowering and also debilitating. If you're, you know, like for me, having depression and having cancer, being stuck in that space, it feels like, great, you're telling me my, my cure lies within me and in my brain and I don't feel strong enough. And that's why these communities and these stories are so powerful. So the shift for me was connecting more with, with individuals and recognizing like what my truth was, who I really am. And allowing that to be the, the healing medicine that my body really needed. You know, I love, I love what you just shared because it's so true. When we take responsibility, 
that's when we, we get our power back. And we're so busy handing it over to everybody else who we assume knows better. But that's not the case. And we know, we know we're, we're speaking our truth. We know it's working, whatever it is, when we're congruent, when our thoughts, behaviors, actions are so completely aligned and we're in flow. And if we do nothing else but ask ourselves, how does this feel? Because if it doesn't feel good, there's something not aligned. There's something we're believing that isn't serving us. There's something we're doing that isn't working for us. And it's in stopping and paying attention to that. That's when we can really shift. In your case, physically, physically heal. And you said something else about the immune system, you know, and this is just for everybody. The, the way the immune system is, it's like an internal army. When it's strong, that army protects its borders. And when it's weakened, it's like the army is fast asleep. Invaders get in. And it's any sort of stress suppresses the immune system and think of the stress of, uh Oh, um, I, am I going to be accepted, loved, valued for who I am? Uh, how am I going to get out of this jam? Breast cancer is a pretty severe thing. And I lost my dad at a young age. So you could really see how, what it would do to your, you know, to your immune system. But I love how you became aware of how, of that shift. So tell us the difference in, once you started making those different connections and changing the way you thought, how did it change your body? How did it change your mind? What did it lead to? So for me, the, probably the biggest thing is it shifted my career. <laughs> um, you know, coming, like I said, I started in a journalism background and was in public relations and I was working for Target right out of college and working with human resources. None of that felt right, right? Like, so this goes back to like, it didn't feel right because I knew I wanted to help people. And that's part of the reason I wanted to get into missions work and, and, and work within my faith. But I felt like God was directing me in a different way. And I went back to school, took all the science coursework and medical exams to go to medical school, thought that being a doctor would be the right answer. I became a paramedic and I worked as a neurodiagnostic technician for neurologists, um, helping people like, diagnose dementia, ADHD, uh, seizure disorders, all kinds of things. And through that, I realized being in fitness and wellness put me on the front line to help those types of people, to be the first one to help direct them. Because I felt like when I was going through treatments, that it was, there's only one way, there's one door that you go through, and this is the only way to healthy. And I didn't feel like I was directed the, the right way. So now being an advocate for other people to say, before you have to go to this doctor or, you know, go to this therapy or do this type of thing, maybe I can help direct you in a couple different ways um, to help you see it and start with your story. Start unraveling that story that you're telling yourself what you're feeling so that we can better assess where you might be best served, right? Because we think the system is, I have a problem with my heart, so I'll go see a cardiologist. But that might, you know, if you look in Chinese medicine, it might not be the heart that is actually the problem. You know, like seeing this whole system, seeing the bigger picture, it gives us this bird's eye view of what our life is. And so changing those thoughts for myself also helped me change the way I could help people. And that was really important to me. I felt like I could better serve people with that perspective and that experience. And here's where, you know, people are so afraid of crisis and trauma, but it opens the doors to so many things. And it, it gives us this insight, this perspective that we never would have had without it. And we become so 
clear on who we are, what we want, what it is. And, you know, it's interesting because you mentioned, I want to help people. And that's the underlying who you are, but it really didn't show itself in the way that truly feels right to you until, uh, you know, until you went through all of your healing. So give us a, give us a, a story or two about people you've worked with where you directed them based on what they were going through. And maybe they said that this is what I'm dealing with and this is what I need. And then after, you know, you kind of worked with them a little, they realized, oh, that's not it at all. Um, so a really good example is I had a woman come to me. Uh, it was good. She was going to be turning 50 and she thought that she, what she wanted to do is her first Ironman. Okay. Cause I coach in fitness and wellness. I'm kind of, you know, all out there. And I sat down and I talked with her and I said, so tell me why, you, why an Ironman? What do you want to do? And the first question was, she, she was like, well, it's the Ironman. It's so hard. And I was like, okay, great. Like, let's get a little bit deeper here. And I said, well, when was the last time you, you ran a marathon? She was like, uh, 10 years ago. And I was like, how about cycling? She's like, I own a bike. And I was like swimming. She's like, well, I could doggy paddle. I'm like, how long do you have to train? And she's like, as long as it takes. So the first thing I knew is this is a very determined person. Cause she said, as long as it takes, I, I want to do it. When we started the training, she thought it was all about this physical piece. And I remember sitting at the poolside with her after a training session. And she's like, I thought I wanted this to prove that I was physically capable. And I realized that I have felt like an Iron Man in my life, that I'm always putting on this armor and I'm always having to endure and endure and endure. And I realized I don't have to endure. I have been enduring. Um, and I am strong enough and I don't need this this event to define me. I, I can define myself. And it was such a big moment for her. And I still remember her face when she crossed that, crossed that finish line for the Ironman. Again, it wasn't, it wasn't about the race. It wasn't about the physical. It, for her, she felt like she had found a sense of healing in herself that she didn't know was possible. Mm. And that is perhaps one of my favorite. I'm still, you know, I still train her to this day. And she's brought many other women my way who People have told them, no, it's impossible. You can't do it. And I love, I love that idea of this is impossible. We can't solve this problem. And I'm like, please, please give me a puzzle that's impossible. Let's, let's dive in um, and look at it. So that's perhaps one of my, my favorite. Um, I did have another student, though, who I met with in college because I taught. I've had many, many lives, I feel like, at a young age. Yeah. I taught I, you know what? And before you get into that story, I love, I love the insight that she had when she realized that she was always, you know, pushing and striving and, and all that. I really thought you were going to just take that left turn there and say, and so she decided she didn't want to do it and she was good with it. And <laughs> <laughs> so go her. She's like, screw this, this is dumb. <laughs> yeah. Like, once you realize that, it's like, okay, lesson learned. Let's go out for pizza. But, uh, <laughs> uh, good for her. That she just did it anyway. Wonderful. Okay. So tell us about the other story. Um, so I taught at Kent State University in Ohio for several years in the exercise science and uh, physical education department. And I had a student who always butt heads, like just because he, he wouldn't show up on time. He never wanted to do his homework. And I sat with him and he's like, well, what's the point? Like, I'm going to be a Marine and that's all I have to do. And so I was like, what do you mean? I'm just going to be a Marine. And I said, first of all, to be a Marine is an impressive thing. I have very, I have several family members of mine who are Marines and, and I have great respect for them in the military. And I'm like, so you're not just a Marine. Be, be very aware of that. 
Um, and he's like, well, I won't amount to anything else. He's like, I'm just here to make my parents happy. And then I'll go and I'll be a Marine and that will be my thing. And, you know, I'll probably die over in another country somewhere. And that broke my heart. And when we sat down, he had never felt like he was anybody. One, because he was the youngest of a very large family. So he kind of felt like left out. And no one had ever asked him what he really wanted or that he had the ability to make that happen. And we sat down, like we would, he would come to my office hours and we would chat over and over and over again. And I was like, if you really want to be a Marine and that is your desire, let's do it. I'm here to help you and support you. But if it's not your desire, if you're just doing it because you think it's the only option, then there's no point. Um, and through that, we found, you know, some depression and some trauma. I was able to connect him with some psychologists and, and great coaches and mentors. And I could tell he needed a strong male presence, which I could not provide. <laughs> mm. So he, you know, connecting him with those was so important. He graduated with his exercise science degree, decided he did want to go to the Marines. And I will never forget the letter I got back from him after his third tour in Afghanistan saying he thought about those talks. And he thought about that. And now he's a leader within his, his peers and what he's been able to instill in them and help them find their way, even when they're far away from home. And that, I mean, always being a teacher is, is, is so important. And I was so grateful that he was able to find that for himself because I, I didn't do it. I just facilitated a space for him to find that for himself. And you know, I, it's so important too, because we realize that there's, there's so much to us, but I think we're so, so often we're just blindly moving forward, not really considering what it means or what, where we're going, where we're headed. And it's, it's in, you know, I remember one of my mentors saying, you can't steer a parked car. I love that. I just so love that. And it's true. When you're in motion, that's when you're like, oh, you know, what am I doing this for? Let me turn this way. Let me go this way. And it's, it's in that process. That's where all that self-discovery or rediscovering is all about. So that's just, it's just beautiful. So what's, if you were to say, what are the steps that someone should take? Let's just say they know they're struggling and that's become very familiar and that's, it feels very safe because it's very familiar, but they don't feel good about it. Someone comes to you like that. What do you suggest to them? Well, I mean, if they're, if they're coming and they're, they're not comfortable with what they're struggling with, but they know that they're struggling. For me, a lot of my modalities involve movement. So mm -hmm. whether it's through meditation, yoga, um, even shinrin yoku so forest bathing like taking them out in nature and and connecting them i have found so many times that being out in nature when we strip the four walls back the walls around our heart around our mind start to come down too and we're able to be more honest and and authentic with ourselves and i use this analogy for for some of my students that i've i've taught in the past is imagine your life is a book and right now however old you are is how many chapters you have could you imagine in a book, if the same chapter was repeated, say 40 times, you're 40 years old, would you know if you read that book that you were reading the same chapter over and over and over again? And they're like, well, yeah, it would be very obvious. Like clearly the same sentences, the same structure, the same plot. I said, and yet so many of us live the exact same chapter over and over and over again. So my That's question, yeah, that's my so true. I love that. Well, and my question to them is, what if you could start your official chapter two? What would that look like? 
So this is your struggle. Like in, in, in your favorite book, you, you see the struggle of your favorite character. What is the first step they took towards changing away from that struggle? All you have to do is just write the intro. You can even just title the chapter. Just one small step. One small step of moving forward is that, um, you know, for many people, it's accountability. Okay, well, do you need a coach then that's going to hold you accountable to showing up each day? Maybe it's just promising yourself that each day I'm going to take five minutes to sit quietly and, and listen to what my body is feeling, where my thoughts are reeling, and direct myself. I always tell people to find the three needs. What are your three basic needs that you absolutely have to have met? And then address your daily tasks or goals based off those three, those three needs. For me, it's breath, movement, and connection. So connection is connection to something higher. So movement might be physical, but it also might be mental. And the breath is maybe it's a yoga practice. Maybe it's a cardiovascular piece, but it's also just taking the simple pleasure of knowing that I am gifted in still having breath in my lungs and not everybody has that. Those three things, if I can stem off of that, those needs don't change, but the wants that I have around those needs can change daily and fluctuate. And that starts to give people freedom to move in their struggle and know that they can change directions, reverse and reroute at any time. I love that. And you know, it's within that structure comes the freedom. We think that structure is so limiting and so binding and so restrictive, but the truth is it's because let's, you know, like with, in your case, you have these three, you know, you just can't mess with them, three non-negotiables. And because of that, you have the freedom to just explore other things that come up because those basic needs are tended to. It's almost like that's creating your rock solid foundation upon which everything else can be built. I love that. And you know what? It's so amazing because how many people are living that same chapter over and over and over again. You know, in the, in the five stages from betrayal to breakthrough, stage three is when we're totally stuck. We're just absolutely stuck and we're surviving, but that's as good as it gets. And that's probably the stage where people are just rewriting and reliving that same chapter over and over and over again. I like that analogy and I'll be using it, but I'll be giving you credit for it too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, so what are people supposed to do? Do they come up with their own three? I mean, what's, what's something that they can just do starting right this moment just to, uh, just to start figuring out what is it? What, who are they? What do they want? Where are they headed? And what can they do? Um, so I, I do usually start people with the three needs. What are our three needs? But when you're writing them, I, I tell people, sit down. Usually if you can do it first thing in the morning, because that's when we're going to have the least resistance mentally. Actually, within yoga tradition, they say between the hours of 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. are sacred times and when our heart and mind are most open to change. I'm not, I'm not saying that you have to get up so early if you're not a morning person. But when you get up, take a blank sheet of paper and ask yourself, what do I need today? And I usually have them do that for a week, like just, you know, five days, even you can keep the weekend for yourself, but spend five days asking yourself and then look what the common thread is in those three. And then from those three, sit with them then the next week, like, are these still needs or are these just wants? A lot of times we, we default to the one. I want a smaller waistline. I want a better job. I want a better relationship. I want to heal okay, but what does that look like? What does healing look like? What does, what does 
health look like? Where do those stem from? So those three needs of what would bring you the greatest happiness if you could dwindle them down to just three, three components. That's the starting point um, for people. Beautiful. Beautiful. What do you want to make sure everyone knows as we wrap up? I want everyone to know that their story, their experiences matter. So many times people think I am alone and I don't need to say this because it's already been said. You could, you could literally go through the exact same experiences I have in my life at the exact same age and it would not be the same. And your story empowers somebody else to share theirs. And it allows us to expand the language of struggle, to expand the human experience and human condition so that we can come together, unify, and know what true healing and well-being really feels like. I love that. And I feel like it's, it's kind of our obligation. If we've managed to survive something and if we've uh, learned from it, I really believe we're obligated to share that because that's, then, it's, then we're doing something good with that crisis. And as I say, then it's crisis and trauma well spent. Where do we go to learn more about you? Um, so you can go to kbwaters.com and there's information about my coaching, about my book and about retreats that I also offer to dive into this more personally with small groups. Kirsten, you shared so much wisdom. And here I am, everybody, you don't know, I'm looking at her. She's this beautiful young woman. And to, to be hearing this wisdom from such a young age, you know someone's been through stuff when they sound like this uh, from, that, from that space. So I, I see it and I appreciate it. I just I want to thank you so much for what you shared with everybody. I, I know you helped so many people with what you talked about today. Thank you so much for having me. I truly appreciate it. I love Kirsten's three non-negotiable needs, breath, movement, and connection. What a great place to start, to start moving forward from whatever struggle seems insurmountable. Stay in touch with Kirsten by going to kbwaters.com, and we'll have all of her information in the show notes at thepbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. I loved Kirsten's reference to chapters of a book and looking at our lives to see how many times we've rewritten and reread the same chapter. You wouldn't tolerate it in a book. So why are we doing that to ourselves? It's time for a new chapter. Start by seeing where you're at physically, mentally, and emotionally by taking the post-betrayal syndrome quiz to see what may be lingering for you and what needs your attention. You can find that at thepbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. And have you checked out the PBT Institute membership community? Imagine everything you'd ever need to become your physical, mental, emotional best. Community, support, certified coaches and practitioners you could schedule time with, daily classes on all kinds of interesting topics, curated experts teaching advanced strategies in the areas of health, mindset, spirituality, personal development, Imagine the most friendly, welcoming, and supportive place to become your best, all online. Nothing like this exists, and I am so excited to welcome you. Just go to thepbtinstitute.com forward slash join to learn more. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time, and here's to your breakthrough. <music>